Greetings, everyone. I'm Lance Dunahoe, and welcome to DFW Real Estate's Best Podcast, where we introduce you to the top producing agents and their vetted business partners. Today, we have an exciting show. Uh, we've got some amazing guests. We've got a lender who is known for her creativity, and we have a former New York and Texas attorney turned real estate agent and broker. So if you want to hear their stories, how they got to where they are today, then tune in right now. Hey, this is Lance. Welcome back to Real Producers, uh, Real Estate DFW's Real Estate Best Podcast, where we come to you live every Wednesday at eleven o'clock from your favorite platform, from iTunes to uh, to Spotify to YouTube to Facebook Live, where you may be seeing this right now. Uh, before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about the Real Producer community, and it is that it is a community of the top real estate agents. NDFW and their vetted business partners. And today we have uh, some exciting guests that are a part of that community. And in fact, they they were recently featured in the Dallas Real Producer Magazine and met in that community. So we're going to hear more about that. But uh, Real Producer really is about the best real estate agents and the businesses that they work with. In DFW, we have three magazines, Dallas, North DFW, and Tarrant County. So essentially, this magazine goes out to the top 1,500 agents in DFW, the tip of the spear the folks that are movers and shakers. And so, uh, but this podcast, of course, is uh, brought to you by our good friend, Lyndon Wilson and The Difference. And The Difference radio live stream podcast provides video branding and digital business development solutions for small business owners and entrepreneurs locally and statewide with over 600,000 viewers in 2020 and growing. The Difference can help businesses grow their brand awareness and develop a message that humanizes your business in a way that grows your brand, expands your connections and relationships, and increases your influence and relevance, uh, and quickly helps you become known as a power player and mover and shaker in your sphere, community, industry, and business world. And we do have some movers and shakers today. Uh, I am so excited. Uh, first, I'm going to bring on um, our first guest, Miss Gracie Morrow, founder of Gracie Morrow Mortgage Group. And, uh, and next to her, joining her today, is her now best buddy, Jennifer Cloud, broker and owner of uh, Prominus and Texas and New York licensed attorney. Welcome, welcome to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Lance, for having us. Yeah, great to see you. I'm so excited about today because uh, you guys are really kind of living examples of this this real producer community. Uh, and I want to kind of just jump right into that. I want to talk a little bit about each of you individually, but I want to talk about how you guys met. Can you, uh, Gracie, how did you guys meet? Through the real producers. <laughs> we are the best living examples, right? Um, real producers really, what I love about it is not just any community, it's a community where people trust each other. And you have the best of the best that's selected by the local community, local peers, customers, clients. So when we got to uh, meet the first time, we just hit it off really, really well. Yeah, you know, I was, I was when I was kind of doing a little bit of research before our uh, our podcast today, I, I realized that both of you were featured in Real Producer Magazine uh, in the August and July issue. Just beautiful, beautiful stories. Uh, and I love that uh, that you guys had a chance to introduce yourselves to this real estate community. And and I guess through this, somehow you guys met each other. What, where was that? How did that happen? So I think it was um, Jordan and um, Rachel. Rachel actually made an introduction for us, and I reached out to Jennifer. Um, so we, we met at a coffee shop, and we went through our background and stories and how we started our business. And after that meeting, we just walked away with knowing that we have so much mutual grounds and mutual understanding. You know, it's all about the personality and your standard, what type of partners and client and what vision you have for your business. But is that? Yeah, kind of I mean, I'm pretty type A all the way. And 
I mean, that's why we got along. So it's kind of like an interview. Yeah. When we were like sitting down for coffee, like, was it, how do you do this? Do you do this? And so, yeah, she pretty much works her files and her business uh, very similarly to what I do. So yeah, of course we hit wow. it off because I'm assuming you're type A too. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. We have, we have, we all have our own process and then we're very logical um, in building our business. We, like to leverage the strategies we have and work smarter, not harder. I love it. You know, uh, we, we often encourage, of course, our, our business partners to introduce themselves to agents. Uh, and, and it is, there's a trust in this community where it doesn't feel like it's a, a sales pitch or a, a, you know, any type of a call like that. But I got to ask Jennifer, when Gracie called you the first time and said, Hey, let's see, get, get together. Were you thinking, Oh yeah, I need another lender. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there's quite a few lenders in DFW, right? Why did you say yes to that meeting? Uh, well, yeah, I get contacted by lenders all the time, and generally, I don't have time or don't need another lender. So yeah, I d but you know, she said, well, first of all, Rachel recommended her and said that we were alike in personality. Um, and two, I mean. I am looking for lenders if they're really good at what they do. Um, my One of my most important things for me personally, and I would think for anybody else would be commitment and deadlines. If you say you're going to do something, stick to it and do what you say you're going to do. Um, and Gracie, I worked with on a file and she did just that. So it worked out well. But the reason why I accepted the uh, interview, so to speak, um, or meeting was because of the recommendation by real producers. Wow. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And I love that. Uh, and you probably know this, you know, anybody that is a business partner or an advertiser in real producer magazine has been vetted by your peers, by the other top agents in DFW. So I think there is sort of a trust that's sort of built into the community that you're, you're already kind of past a certain standard. If you're, if you're here, you're probably pretty good at what you do. And sometimes it's just kind of matchmaking, like you guys figured out that maybe you're both detail oriented and, and type A, right? Right. I mean, well, when I talked to Rachel about my story, you know, because I had to explain to them, you know, a little bit about who I was or what I do um, in terms of real producers, the community and the cover story, uh, or not cover story, the broker spotlight that they were going to do on me. She got to know real quick that I'm pretty hard nosed when it comes to the way I run my business. And she was like, Oh, you and Gracie would be perfect <laughs> together. So yeah. Um, I trusted her and we met and yep, that's exactly what I got. Wow. Oh, that's incredible. Well, uh, so Gracie, I've got to ask you, you're pretty shy, right? Um, <laughs> no. I'm shy in my personal life, Are you? but I'm not very shy in business life. Yeah. Well, I'm the, the type of like extrovert, introvert, you know, like me and my husband that he's the, he's a social butterfly. I don't do a lot of social events, but I'm not shy in front of clients and partners where I can serve and have solutions for them. Wow. Yeah. She wasn't shy at our meeting at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what you're talking about is you, you, you have a confidence in what you do. So it's easy to present yourself in a way that when you know you can help somebody, it kind of, it kind of takes you out of your, your, your your shell. But so was that an, an uncomfortable conversation for you to call and introduce yourself just initially? Were you thinking, oh, she's she may or may not? Or were you pretty confident that you were going to uh, be able to sit down with Jennifer? Well, you know, I am not a super confident person. I don't really, really look at myself that way. But I what I do know is just my background and what I'm really passionate about from very early age. I've always looked at ways to provide solutions in any situation. So my goal, what I'm passionate about is if there's a solution, I can help them to make their life easier, their business better, um, have more success in their life. I, I think that's really my motivation for reaching out to either clients and partners. It's not try to help them realize that they need to work with me or they need to like me. Like I'm here to provide a service. I want to be a partner where with my existence, their business can be elevated to the next level. And that really is my goal. 
Well, you mentioned your background uh, and kind of what's brought you to this, this great experience that has gives you this intuition about people and your business and be able to find solutions. Tell us a little bit about it. Where, where are you from? You know, how did you get into this business? What's what kind of brought you here? Well, so I, my first, my background is in accounting and finance, double major from UT Dallas. I didn't really move too far from my school, which is a, a, a very common stats, I guess. It, you know, normally after you graduate from college, you don't move more than 50 miles away from your college. That's what I've learned. Um, but I didn't really have a lot of connection uh, in this area because I didn't grow up in Texas. Um, I came to Texas when I was 17 and just went to last year of high school and went to college here. So it's I can't say that I have all those connections and doors open for me. Yeah. My first job was uh, being a, a, a intern or a CPA or accountant, accounting firm. And then I got myself into uh, Lincoln Financial as an intern. And very soon I realized that I was way too young to manage someone's 401k or IRA. Um, my mentor, he was on the phone talking to from, uh, some people that was about to retire from AT&T and all those strategy and planning, which is really cool at the time. And I said, there's no way I can handle it. So I started looking into still provide financial service. I'm really good at numbers and I'm really good at putting the puzzles together and start working for my first job at Chase as a loan officer. And after a year working for a big bank and I realized that it's a lot better to work for a smaller mortgage company. So you started, I mean, you left Chase and then what? Uh, you just had built a clientele. You mentioned that you didn't really start in this business without, with you know, all those local connections. How have you built such a sphere of influence? Because you're now, you know, a, a pretty influential lender here in DFW with quite a following. So how, how did you build that? You know, my story really is example of, you don't really need to know a lot of people to start your career. Um, you just need to do everyone right and do the best you can for your clients. And it really is the word of mouth. If you ask for a lot of top producers, I don't believe that you really have to have everything being prepared and handed and all those um, opportunities given to you. I think a lot of time it's better, right, Jen? Like to actually explore and see what niche, what clientele, what type of business strategy that works the best for you and your personality and the way how you think and how you can relate to your clientele. So really just honestly, one customer at a time, you build your business up by doing the right thing and showing the customer that you truly care and by different suggestions and idea and strategy that you provide to the clients at the end of the day, everyone can tell the difference that if you are really truly for their benefit, not for your own benefit, then you don't have to ask for referral. They will want to refer you Absolutely. to all their family and friends. Mm -hmm. I love that. Jennifer, um, how about you? What's your background? I, I Well, first off, I was just kind of thumbing through, I, I, and I love both of your features, but I, I certainly, you know, detect a, a bit of an artistic background, um, just, uh, and, and a lot of personality in this, but tell me about how did you get here? Where are you from? And uh, why do you do what you do? Um, from originally from Louisiana. So yeah, I'm going to have some flair <clears throat> for sure. Um, my family were all musicians and singers and that sort of wow. thing, at least on my dad's side, um, my other side of the family, all from new Orleans. So bartenders, bar owners, that sort of thing. Um, so we're a little crazy on, um, on that <laughs> side of us, but, um, the reason for the artistic flair, the reason why it was done in deep Ellum is because I do support the arts. I was myself classically trained pianist. I was a singer in a, a band in Dallas for a while. Um, and so I, of course, appreciate the art and, you know, the, the paintings and whatnot, the colorful uh, things that the vibe, what do you call it? Um, uh, the electricity that you find in those communities, especially in Deep Ellum, it's, it's had its ups and downs, at least for the time period that I have been here. And it is a pivotal point of Dallas that history should remain there always. So anytime I can support the arts here, especially in the underdog areas, then I would want to do so. And part of the um, 
story there was to try to shine the light on Deep Ellum and the arts to a certain extent and show my personality and give a glimpse into what I was and who my background was. But left Louisiana, um, went to law school at LSU, went to undergrad at LSU, go Tigers, just got back from a game there. It was awesome. Beat Florida. Um, and left there like the day I graduated law school, I moved to New York City. Um, I was interning with Pfizer Pharmaceutical and I just kind of started a corporate uh, route. It just happened that way for me in law. So, you know, I interned with Estee Lauder and um, BMG Arista Records, which was so appropriate for me at the time. Um, and then from there, um, I was going to go back to Pfizer and do in-house. And they were like, well, you're going to have to get some litigation experience first. And I said, OK, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? They said, go get uh, defense, insurance defense work. So that's what I did. And then I just started realizing that, uh, well, when I started doing insurance defense, it was more heavily construction related. And I did really well at it. I was uh, not many women did construction litigation in New York. Not many women were doing that here in Texas when I got here either. There's more now, which is great. But I was definitely a, a niche in that respect. Um and they loved my Louisiana accent in New York. Let me tell you, that was fun. But um, I ended up deciding not to go back to Pfizer because I just realized I wasn't going to raise a family in New York. I was there for September 11th. It, it affected me. I mean, I stayed two years later after that, but there was no way I was going to live in the city having gone through that. Mm -hmm. um, so I left in 2003 pick Dallas simply because I had a couple of friends in Dallas and it was the biggest city closest to my parents in Louisiana. Um, I didn't figure I had a whole lot longer with my mom. And so I was like, let's just pick that. And um, just kind of started, you know, got connections. I, I started working for a firm um, that did insurance uh, work as well. Um, at Catherine Moody at the time, we represented the Cowboys and a lot of stuff. And then I left there and did commercial litigation and I kept doing construction work as well. But I started branching out a little bit more into the commercial realm. And then I, 2013 was selling my house. And I said, well, why do I need to hire a realtor? Um, I can do this myself. First off, I'm an attorney. So I'm technically exempt from the Texas Real Estate License Act because of my law license. Um, not that, that matters. I mean, anybody can sell their own house. But I was like, well, let's see how I do with this, read the rules, figure it out, you know, and it was fairly simple for me and I liked it. And it was kind of like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And at that point in time, I was, you know, doing law, working ridiculous hours. I started having a family and kids and I didn't want to live that life anymore. I wanted a little bit more flexibility. Um, and so I decided, well, I'll go ahead and get my license because at that point I can share in commissions, um, you know, with other brokers. So I got my license and immediately knew that in four years I was going to start my own business and become a broker. Um, why not? You know, I, you know, I have a law license or a law degree and a broker's license, which not many people have in the state of Texas. So um, and I really enjoy what I'm doing. Like Gracie was saying, like, it really is all about how can you help somebody um, raising that standard, you know, and. I've dealt with a lot of agents in real estate and boy, do I wish that standard was higher for some of them, you know, but um, that's my goal. My goal is to give the best that I can give to a client um, and really try to explain the nuances and what can get them in trouble and, and what can keep them safe in a real estate transaction. I mean, if you're going to spend probably the most amount of money you're ever going to spend on an asset in your life, shouldn't it be with someone you trust and know they've got your back. Absolutely. Kind of what started for me. Yeah. Well, I love that. And you, and you said a couple things too, that kind of reminded me, actually, Gracie, you had a great Facebook post the other day about um, some mistakes people make when they're, when they're getting a mortgage. Um, but I, I, and I want to ask you about that in a second, but Jennifer, you, you know, as a licensed attorney, you made some assumptions about real estate before you sold your home, you know, and how easy or, or difficult it might be, right? But would you say that, you know, that, of course, you had a license or the ability to do that transaction and to kind of follow and educate yourself, but what mistakes do you see right now your clients are making and assumptions they're making, particularly in this market? And and how do you straighten them out? Hmm, that's 
kind of difficult because a lot of my clients are attorneys. And so uh, they're also type A and read everything and and really do understand like uh, and appreciate the advice I'm giving them. Obviously, um, they will know a lot simply because of their backgrounds, but a lot of them don't know how to work the transaction itself. So I would say mistakes that they may make um, might be, you know, number one litigated issue is always the seller's disclosure. So if you're a seller, you really want to fill that out to the best of your knowledge. If you've got multiple owners, then you really need to think about each owner getting together, having a conversation. If you're going to fill out one or fill out multiple, um, if the parties, the sellers can agree, because sometimes you have, um, you know, inheritance and siblings and don't yeah. speak and that sort of thing. But um, I don't know, mistakes that my clients make, they don't really make too many mistakes because I don't allow them to make mistakes. So. Um, I mean, if they've got me, there really honestly shouldn't be any mistakes. I mean, I'm not perfect, not saying that, but, um, I'm really, I've really got their back throughout from A to Z. So if, if I'm giving them, them advice, they're generally heeding that advice. You know, you mentioned disclosure. Um, I, I am teaching a class tomorrow at Metrotex. I own a home inspection company, but it's called realtor liability in the home inspection. And one of the biggest and best tools that sellers have is a pre-listing inspection. And for our firm, about 40% of our clients who get pre-listing inspections are attorneys. And it's because they want third-party documentation of the condition of the home. In case there's something in the disclosure that they maybe didn't cover, they've got a third-party document uh, that says, we shared everything we possibly knew and we had somebody else come in and here's the proof of that. So it's, it's interesting you say that. Now, Gracie, uh, what about you? I, I got a little glimpse of that on your Facebook post the other day, but what, what do you think uh, are some mistakes that people make when they're, when they're looking for a mortgage? Well, first of all, thank you for recognizing some of the Facebook posts. It's, you know, I, I hired, I talk about something that's a little bit unrelated. I had to hire a social media coach because speaking of like, I am not a social butterfly. <laughs> And Jennifer know this, we're very similar. Like we like to provide information. We like to provide knowledge. For a longest time, I didn't want to make a lot of posts, but every time I talk with someone, they have ton of very wrong perception. And I was like, how do I share the knowledge that I have with the most amount of people? And I wish I was a celebrity for that reason, but I'm not. So in this world, honestly, when you see a social media post, when you see a, a reel, when you see anything that I do, uh, my social media coach, which is Kyle Draper, is the number one social media coach. And he is he's awesome. He's in DFW areas. And I've been having coaching calls with him. And he changed my mindset of every time you post something is because you want to help people. And I said, I can do that. So I started doing videos about mistakes. And I will say there's a ton of mistakes people make. But what reminds me recently, because I get phone calls from clients, um, pre-approval process lenders other lenders just don't i don't know why and i will never handle my business and my clients that way but there's a lot of lenders don't want to put an effort in looking at their documents whether they're not confident in their skill set or i think some lenders simply don't want to spend the time in working with a client before they know the client's going to buy something in this crazy market and another thing that I, I, I see all the time is the timing. You know, you got to work with a local real estate agent that understand the market. There's actually a house on my street. And I, every time I drive by, I think about the timing part, how important to work with a local real estate agent that has the full stats of the local market. So the house on our street, they try to sell a year ago when the market wasn't really heating up. And they tried for like two or three months and didn't get a good offer. They removed the property from the market. And early this year, they did nothing. The house was just sitting there. And so every time I drive by, I thought that they changed their mind. Maybe they don't want to move anymore. But then two weeks ago, they put a sign up in their yard again. In my mind, and said, whoever you're working with is not giving you the best advice for capture and the timing because now the market have cooled down a little bit, have slowed down a little bit, and you don't want to put your house on the market when it's not the right, you know, the best timing for a buyer to um, make an offer on a house. And guess what? Uh, uh, two weeks after, 
they remove the, the, the house again. So that's it really is a timing. And another thing that I see people uh, make is they don't know how to uh, select the best real estate team for the biggest, like Jennifer was saying, that the biggest investment you're going to be making in your lifetime. People call and look at reviews on Yelp before you go to a new restaurant. And they might talk to five different friends if they're spending two, three, four hundred dollars on a dinner. But they're not really doing their due diligence of homework of selecting their real estate team. That includes inspector, that includes a real estate agent, that includes your lender, that includes your home warranty company. So I look at everyone who is involved in the real estate transaction, all has their due diligence, all have their responsibility. People really need to, you know, talk to their friends more. And it's it's the me the medium price of the home in this area is probably four hundred thousand, and if you spend twenty minutes selecting your restaurant where you're going to be spending five hundred dollars, you need to spend five times more time <laughs> to find the best team that works really hard for you. I love that, and it does make such a difference, doesn't it? When you're working with professionals, and, and it's subtle things. I, I had this conversation with Jeff Dutton with Integrity Foundation Repair. He works with a lot of realtors who will um, send him out to look at foundations because an inspector called it out. Mm -hmm. um, but these the agents maybe aren't working with great inspectors who are writing up things that maybe shouldn't have been written up. So he ends up wasting a lot of time, right? So, but when he's working with top agents that have a an inspector or a roofer or a, you know, somebody that they trust that that doesn't waste their time, they they're much uh, the, the, the things just, they don't waste as much time. That's just it. They, the, the, the things that are called out, um, are usually reasonable and qualified reasons. So just even those subtle things, but having that team, you can trust a, a great lender, a great title company that, that gets things done, uh, where it makes the transactions go smoother and, uh, your, your clients have a much better experience. I think that's, that's one of the biggest benefits of this real producer community too. There's the people that are in here kind of vetted in that way. So um, I want to ask you real quick um, because I think you touched on it. You've got a really cool program uh, called the ready to close uh, um, approval program, right, Gracie? Yes. You touched a little bit on that, but you can share a little bit more about that. Absolutely. So starting earlier this year, a lot of our clients and a lot of partners were struggling finding the house and they will make multiple offers on the house and they just can't compete with cash offers or they have to put what in the beginning, like already spring mm -hmm. 50 or 70,000 above asking wasn't the, <laughs> it was an exception. It's almost everyone you was were, doing that. You were doing it. Yeah. Yes. So um, I think that in um, with appraisal waiver with appraisal favors yeah. and so again going back to my nature is not something that i think luckily i was just born this way my my mind just works this way is when you see a problem and what is the gap what is the solution you can provide and when you're looking at both sides of transaction i think human nature just want zero risk in everything we do mm -hmm. so how do we provide that zero risk it's the same thing as why do we spend a lot of time in pre-approving client? And fortunately, I actually thought about this morning and I said, you know, I am really fortunate that I have the skill set and I have the brain power. In the last 10 years in the business, I can say on the camera and anybody can call me out if they want to, but if I say I can do the loan and I can help you with your financing, I will be the person that get all the way through to the finish line. I will never give up in the middle of the process in the last 10 years. So going back to your question about our ready to close is we can just look at what benefits the buyer. We got to look at what benefits the seller. If everybody wanted zero risk, so how do we provide a zero risk and people still need financing in the middle of the process? So that's when we create a, a, a the highest what I think the highest pre-approval anyone can get before signing a contract is called ready to close because we have looked at all their documents. We have gone through the whole underwriting process and our appraisal team is awesome. We can get a quicker appraisal turnaround because appraisal is a concern not only for buyers, but also for sellers. 
So that whole concept is once we issue the pre-approval and we go the next step of going to ready to close, and then we will be able to guarantee lowering the risk of the third-party contingency from the normal 21 days to sometime five to seven days. And again, give so much assurance for all parties involved. And then the seller not lo only looking at the price of the home, because we know that if someone offers you 50,000 above asking, but they can't close the same time from you need them to close, or they're going to be really difficult to work with. And also another factor that we're working with is the COVID overlays that a lot of our clients or people in general buying a house, they're in the middle of transition. So how do sellers know this buyer is going to have a guarantee of the job? 30 days after. So we start putting all the different factors together. And we said our clients are not working in the in the environment that the job is going to be affected by COVID. Um, their job is going to be very stable. And because of COVID, that it's going to be more overtime. So the seller don't need to care or worry so much about that. So we look at all the different factors and ready to close has been a game changer, I would say, in helping buyers to get what they want and what they love instead of just sacrifice for a house and they have no choice and say, well, I have 30 days to buy a house and I have to sacrifice for this one, even though I don't love it. That's the whole purpose of that. Wow. Thank you. Um, that's great. And, you know, I, I love just hearing, uh, number one, you guys are so passionate about what you do and there's such a, a strength to, to your, your words uh, that you choose. Uh, you guys are very successful but I, I want to kind of talk about some of your struggles, some of the things that you might have had to overcome to get to this place. Um, you know, Jennifer, just even that transition from being an attorney to a realtor, um, you know, even whether that's mindset or perception, you know, uh, I'd love to hear more about just some of the things that you've had to overcome personally to become the success that you are as a realtor. Um, well, you know, when when you're litigating cases or dealing with uh, perhaps maybe not in court all the time, but when you're dealing with the plaintiffs and defendants, even your own clients, other counsel, you're on defense all the time. And so probably a, a transition for me from law to real estate was to not be uh, quite so defensive all the time. Um, you know, um, can I, I guess, ask you, were you made aware of that yourself or did other people tell you that you were maybe not easy to work with on the other side of the table? How, how did how did you get this awareness? No one has said it specifically, but they would say, you know, you're very intimidating. And so I do not want to be intimidating. Um, I obviously want to represent my clients in the best way possible. Um, and if that means intimidation at some point during the game, then OK. But. Um, I also don't want to be, you know, I, I was unhappy in law at the end of it because of what it was doing to me internally and keeping time away from my family. And so um, me being unhappy in law probably was still transitioning when I was getting into the real estate. I was probably still unhappy. That's still, you know, um, defensive, unhappy mode. And so I had to realize, mm -hmm. like, you're not in that same world anymore. You don't always have to be on the Offensive. Wow. Um, not everybody is out to get you. It is really, um, it was hard to transition into a team concept because I was never a team. What I was doing in law, it was fight, 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 win, win, win at all costs, you know? And so when you get into real estate, it's, you have to think of other people. You have to think of the other side. You do have to somewhat work as a team with another brokerage that is not your own. And it can be hard to do at times um, when you've got someone on the other side who was probably like me in the very beginning, very defensive, you know, it's my way or the highway. And that's just not the way you can really run a transaction if you want both parties to get to the end result. Wow. Um, so that's probably one of my biggest um, issues that I had to overcome. That's huge. And it is. Yeah. And then the second one is recruiting, which I still haven't gotten to. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm so yeah. busy with my own work that I have not been able to recruit from a brokerage at all. I do have another um, real estate agent who's also an attorney. And by the way, <clears throat> I'm a niche brokerage. We're going to be small just because I only hire architects, lawyers, engineers and designers. They have to have those degrees to be an agent with prominence. So 
but I haven't had time to recruit. So that's another challenge for me. Uh, I keep saying, okay, this next year I'll have more time to do it. And it just hasn't happened. But 2022 is a goal right now um, to try to do more recruiting and to get more help. Um, that's probably my number two struggle. You know, you said something uh, and you may be able to relate to this as a musician. Last night I went to see the Doobie Brothers, uh, one of my favorite all time bands. And uh, there's a, a line from a song uh, called It Keeps You Running, which is just kind of a, a, a great song. But Michael McDonald, it was the first time I heard the words in this way. And, it, and he said, are you going to worry for the rest of your life? And, and, I, and I think about we get into those positions kind of like you, like, are you going to be defensive for the rest of your life? Is that who you want to be? You know, and we have to overcome mindset challenges to get to that next level, to become that next version of ourselves. So I love to hear that. That, that is so inspiring. And probably the thing that um, as you're recruiting is going to attract people to you because they can totally relate to that, that they want to become a better version of themselves. Take that great experience litigating to and use that in negotiation or at least being, um, you know, ha having having enough. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, just being judicious enough in your thinking that you're able to help your clients in a, in a unique way that uh, otherwise they might you know, not be able to. So, well, yeah, it puts me in a position where I'm not, my attitude has adjusted. Right. But yeah. there is always a mindset of who's trying to get one over me and my client, where's the red flag, what's going on here. Yeah. Like I'm always on point, but I don't have to be as defensive with the other side about it either. You know, yeah. I can just make sure I'm doing what I need to do to protect me and my client. Mm -hmm. So yeah, as a musician, um, and interesting musician, attorney, uh, you know, those are two kind of almost left brain, right brain kind of think in some ways, you know, I mean, I can see how that can, the creativity side all works together, but, um, and some of my attorney friends are some of the most creative as well. Um, but, uh, what's one of your favorite lines from a song that you think that kind of, uh, summarizes where you are right now? Oh God, oh. you're totally putting me on the spot. Oh, I like this question a lot. Oh Jesus. You're next. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're looking for a verse here. Oh, my God. Um, well, what no pressure. You, what, when you were performing and, and if you do perform still, what do you what do you like to sing? What's your kind of your genre? Well, I will say be, before I started singing, I started making my own music and stuff like that. One of my go to songs was um, for non blonde. What's up for non blondes? What's up? So uh, I guess you could probably pick a verse from that song that I would really like. Um, I did a photo shoot before I got here for a friend of mine. She um, sells um, wedding dresses for rentals and stuff like that. We were out in the country doing a crazy photo shoot. And I, all I could think, keep thinking was I'm channeling Stevie Nicks right now. You oh, know, yeah. like it was a lace dress with a hat on and boots, you know. It was like, beautiful when she walked in the door. I was like, oh, my gosh, are you going to wear this on camera? There, I love there it. There was definitely a Stevie Nicks vibe going on there. I was yeah. like, I can't wear this. People would be like, why is she in a wedding dress? Mm -hmm. um, you know, but, uh, okay, four nine plans. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to think of a, a, a verse here. Um, you, I might have to pass you to Gracie, and then I have okay. to look up the verse. <laughs> oh, that's great, though. Well, I, I love the, the thinking, though, but it, it is so funny how music can influence and, and also kind of define certain places where you are at a certain time in your life, and the challenges and Stevie Nicks, what, gosh, what an, what an icon of, mm -hmm. of uh, reinventing herself and multi, just relationships and version of herself. So that's, that's fantastic. Gracie, um, I want to ask you kind of a follow-up question to that, but first I've got to know what's a mojo. Mojo, my dog's name. Oh, <laughs> tell us about what's mojo. A mojo. What's a mojo? <laughs> Define it for us. Yeah. What's your mojo? Yeah, I get well. I, I loved having Mojo around me all the time. <laughs> I think in yeah. more ways than one. The dog, and right? Her and Mojo, right? Yeah. yeah, that's why I named him Mojo. Really? Yes. Just to keep keep Mojo around you all the time. Right? Absolutely. Like I am a very much a positive person. Um, when I feel like I'm yeah. going the negative route, I, I really pull myself out of that area as quickly as possible because i do believe everything will do it's about mindset it's about training yourself um internally and then once you have the right mi mindset your action you don't really have to set any behavior or habits your action just come out of you very naturally flow out of your heart 
So, um, but Mojo is.、Uh, I love, I love my little English bulldog. He's not heavy. He's not big, even though he、he's、looks、beautiful. big on picture. <laughs> he looks like a big, beautiful, naughty bowling ball, and I love it. I oh love my、him. gosh! Yes, yes. Well, so I actually I was looking at your Facebook page, and and I guess you're doing something so right because I, I don't usually pay that much attention, but your post you usually get my attention because I notice it's like. You're either fishing or golfing or drinking great bourbon and beer,、uh, but it, you know all for the good of, of greater you know mankind. Tell me about、um, your community service. I know it's something that you're passionate about. You recently did an event in Flower Mound. What what was that about? Yeah, so、um, definitely community service is a big part of、um, my mission. What you do during a day is to help people, and you provide solution. But what do you do on this on the weekends and spare time? I believe it's you know can give you that greater enjoyment.、Mm-hmm. We actually did.、Um, I'll give the credit to Cloud Nine Charity. Kim Cloud is a very successful woman business owner in Flower Mound area. Any relation?、Um, huh? Any relation, Jennifer? Oh, cloud!、Uh-uh. No, no, no! I didn't even think about that. <laughs> no, cloud is、uh, my married name. So my、uh, maiden name is Lindsay. So, and they're all from north up north anyway. So yeah. So、um, Kim Cloud has been doing the charity work, and she set up Cloud Night Charity for、uh, probably last ten years. And、uh, five or six years ago, she started doing a beer fest, which is a hundred percent charity.、Mm-hmm. Uh, proceeds go to the local、uh, rescue place called Bedtime Rescue. So the Bedtime Rescue is a, a place where they provide assistance and any、um, accommodation assistance or just connection to、uh, assist with women in needs and children in, in needs. And what I like about it is the concept that you know, especially this year after we all get cooped in the house in 2020,、um, she still. Uh, just put up a great show.、Uh, we had more than forty, fifty local beer vendors, and we had more than fifteen or probably seventeen hundred people showed up in downtown Louisville. And everyone paid a ticket admission to get in. But once you get in there, you can sample all the local beer,、um, and you get to meet people or、um, catch up with friends you haven't seen in a while. And I think we raised—I don't know the final amount—but I think they were looking to. Their goal was to raise about a hundred thousand, and all goes to the charity. So that's what we did last week.、Um, this Friday, we're doing another charity. It's called a Charity Classic. It's a golf tournament, and、uh, it's hosted by Glen Eagles Country Club. And we are open silent auction and、uh, tournament to all public. And I think so far we raised seventy five thousand, and that's definitely the two projects that that I'm glad I'm part of, and I'm honored to be a part of that to make my very small contribution to them. All right, on Jennifer, are you involved in any kind of community service? You said the arts. Tell me, tell me more about. Is it strictly have to do with Deep Ellum, or、uh, what other ways do you kind of contribute that way? Uh, no, I mean it could be anything art related, especially the art district downtown hall and symphony and orchestra and all of that. I enjoy it all.、Um, I unfortunately don't have time to contribute to any of that because I've got business and kids, and so when、yeah. I'm not doing business, I'm on point with kids.、Um, but hopefully, once they're 18 and I can move to a beach somewhere, I can then contribute more to the arts. Now. I- You don't have to mention their names, but I, in your article, I, I read their names, and they're some of the coolest names, you know.、Um, but I, I obviously, there's probably some stories behind that,、um, you know, why you chose that. But I just, I just was like, that is just so cool. <laughs> well,、um, my oldest son, his name was chosen because of where his dad is from,、um, New York, Rhode Island area, and so.、Um, It was a train stop that he went to all the time, and he liked the name, and so we chose it there. And it just so happened to be that Gwen Stefani named her kid that、no、like、way. a year before.、Wow. So,、um, but his middle name is Red, and that is because、um, Dad's、uh, family is of the Sioux and Lakota tribes. So、yeah. uh, Red Cloud is allegedly、uh, his great great grandfather, or something like that. So that's why he's got Red for his middle name. And then my younger son. Um, I took the French version of 
Phoenix and named him that because my family is from New Orleans um, and France. I'm French and Irish, also Indian, but very small part of it um, or Native American. But um, Demestri was my mother's maiden name. And that's why his middle name is Demestri. She passed away just before he was born. Ah, so sorry to hear that. But well, they're beautiful names. It's just it's so fun to see uh, people get creative with that. My, you know family names are just kind of traditional. So <laughs> always, always love that. Well, um, I want to ask you uh, one quick question. Look each other in the eye and uh, one word to describe each other. You got to look each other, kind of get, there you go. Tenacious, powerful. She's a powerball. Like I, I really look up to her. I don't know how she can get down in what she has to do every single day. It's um, she's running a successful business. She put every single 110% of effort in everything that she does. If you look at her posts, if you look at her travel, she spent, she's a, she's, she's a super mom too. Like I don't have kids right now. So I can, I can selfishly focus my time on building the business, but I, I don't think I can do what she does. She's just very powerful. Wow. What about tenacious? Tell me about tenacious, Jennifer. She didn't give up. Um, and like she was talking about earlier, she, um, the, not the clear to close, uh, the program that she was talking about, ready, was yeah. ready, ready to, close. to close. Yeah. Uh -huh. Ready to close. Like that was one of the things that I liked in our meeting. Like she was all about finding solutions for, uh, those gaps, uh, which is, you know, any, uh, inventor or entrepreneur, that's exactly what they're looking for are those gaps. And so if you can try to make it better somehow, some way in some way different, um, she's tenacious and she doesn't give up. She, keeps going for what she's looking for until she finds um, something to fit in that gap to make it work, you know? And then of course with her files or, or even like her social media posts, like she was saying, she hired a coach. I didn't, I didn't know that you had hired a coach, but um, you know, her posts are on point. She is constantly putting herself out there. Um, you know, I, 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 I am a social butterfly, so I don't have any problem with that, but I am very cognizant of, of what I should and shouldn't put out there. Should I put too much? Is it going to come back to bite me in the butt later on? You know, I don't know. So um, she does a really good job of just staying on point. So that's tenacious. For me. Thank you. Yeah. You just got to be careful about those late night posts after one of those bourbon tastings. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. Did you drink all that Blanton's or was that? Uh, no, was that, that was, I did, that's not mine, but we no. went to a, a local restaurant that's actually after the charity beer festival and a group of volunteers went to the restaurant and I, from far away, I saw this thing that was just sitting on the bookcase and I said, what is this? So the bartender told me and I said, oh my gosh, I've been hearing about this for so long. I have never, ever had a chance to hold all t like how many letters are like maybe eight all together in one setting. And I'll just look at it. I said, this is so special. I got it. I got to share with friends. <laughs> they should have a, uh, next to that, a model of a liver. That's, you know, <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of livers, I, we just left new Orleans and one of the signs in the airport says new Orleans is for livers. And I was like, no, it's <laughs> no, it's not. It yeah. It's not for livers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, hey, trained. <laughs> hey, I know in the background, uh, I we have Lyndon Wilson, uh, the host of The Difference, who has got to be chomping at the bit. I know that you have just been back there stewing, thinking of some great questions. And, and Lyndon always has some insight into our conversation. So I want to bring Lyndon uh, into the conversation. Lyndon, I don't know if you're going to show your face today or if you're uh, Gonna no, be I'm going to hide wizard. the background. I'm just the, 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 the voice from above. Uh, oh, ladies, gotcha. thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time that I have the greatest job in the world. I've been doing this for two years. I've met over 700 uh, self-employed or entrepreneurs, and it, I created the difference for that reason. I wanted to know the difference. I wanted to be exposed to these fantastic people that are making a difference and how they view things and how they approach things. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I have seen being around the real estate industry for almost 20 years is there's sometimes a disconnect in how we partner with people, right? We meet a lot of people, but how do we build those true um, relationships? Uh, and, and we get away from the transactional aspect of it and we build a relationship that produces transactions. And one of those big uh, 
people that, that have heard me before probably get tired of hearing this, but I think it's so important when you met and you both were so impressed with each other, how important was it when you both realized that you shared so many similar core values? Oh, importance. Oh, very, very important. Very important. I mean, yeah. I, I vet out everybody I work with and I, I, mm -hmm. I pretty much grill them and tell them, what the expectation is going to be from myself and my clients, because all my clients are pretty much type A as well. Right. So super important. Yeah. And I think I can use the same analogy for recruiting for my team. Like I purposely will scare people away. Yeah, I, I will. I will say this is not a job for you. Like, are, are you able to sacrifice for the time that you normally will spend on your couch and watching Netflix? This is not a career for you. So I purposely will scare people because I know uh, every single client and partner we work with, I want them to feel the same standard. Maybe other people might have lower standard than me, but we need to start somewhere. We need to set that bar high. Absolutely. And isn't that really the foundation of the culture that you build within your business, right? And then, then, then people start to see that culture and they become attracted to you. They're like, I want to work for them because I see how how their culture fits what I want to be in, in my life and how I want to be viewed. And, and I guess the self brand is where as well. Um, one other question that I would have, uh, I know we're, we're getting close to, to running out of time, but right. So you mentioned that you want to, you, you, you attempt to scare people away. When, when you look around at other small business owners, how many of them are scared to do that, to take that approach? And sometimes we end up hiring the wrong person because mm -hmm. we, we really don't want to be as authentic as as we need to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you believe you're doing not only your own business a service by being that transparent, being that open and that raw? Let me just use that word, that raw, mm -hmm. that someone either says I can do it or I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And doesn't that doesn't that serve that person better that says I can't do it and they move on somewhere else rather than getting involved and, and failing? I mean, you just nail everything on the head. And, and going back to Len's question about the things that I've learned along the way, one thing that is to know what you want and don't sacrifice for lower or not the perfect fit and ton of people. And here's the thing is when you start a small business, you don't feel like you're big enough to be choosy. And you feel like if I can find one or two people to work my vision, then that's great. I can eventually train that person. And because for a small business owner or people like have very entrepreneurial mind, First of all, they're very positive. And that's probably one of my things I need to work on is I need to be more realistic, right? So the struggle for um, the difference between self-employed and business owner, that's the, the journey that I've been, been on for the last five years. When I started business, I was self-employed. And now the direction I'm going with is a business owner. So when you're looking at a business owner, you got to put the right people in the right seat. When you're self-employed, you're surrounding yourself with all the tasks you feel like you can never finish in one day. So when, when one person come to you, offer help, that's why a lot of people take the first offer and then end up with the wrong person for the wrong position. So that's a, a totally different subject. I would love to talk to you more about it, but you're so right about that. I think that's we'll, your we'll next Facebook post. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely, <laughs> I, I love having shows about that because I think that the struggle for entrepreneurs is understanding exactly what you just said. It is the difference between making and leveling up and making that transition from, from being a self-employed person that created your own job to being a true business owner that builds a culture and a brand. Mm -hmm. And, and I think I just want to be able to share everybody's vision on that with our audience, because I mean, the majority of the people watching are small business owners and entrepreneurs and, and that's really why we're trying to build that culture so that we all can can understand, because a lot of times both you ladies will know this, that when as a small business owner, we are so confined in our bubble sometimes because of all the responsibilities that we have that sometimes we think our problems are unique to us and they're not. A mm -hmm. lot of the problems we're facing every day are just common problems of being a business owner. But yeah. we kind of get overwhelmed and kind of become discouraged sometimes and thinking that 
well, I'm just, maybe I'm not good enough to be a business owner. Maybe I just don't have what it takes. And when we can share these, these issues and, and share how people have overcome them, that's inspirational to those other small mm -hmm. businesses and gives them that, that courage to fight one more day. I love that. You know, Lyndon, we had uh, a real producer partner event back a few weeks ago, and uh, it was probably 80 of our partners got together. And the the uh, atmosphere was electric in the sense it was just it was such a, a strong co uh, atmosphere of, of collaboration and community um, and people that compete against each other. But uh, in some cases kind of huddled up and almost having like a mastermind because at this level and, and I'm sure. Jennifer, you get this too, uh, you know, when you come to one of our events or whatever, and you're around people that are, uh, they, they may be people you're competing against, but they're at the top of their game. The conversations are different. They're not about just getting that next client. It's really about those elevated conversations about the bigger picture of your, your life, your business, and then the impact you're having on the world too. Um, but I, I love that we have this community and you guys are such prime examples. And I want to thank you so much for being here because uh, you know, real producer is a community and it's based off of these relationships. And and I think you guys, the definition of that, you're just one relationship away from changing your life, because just think about your 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 teaming up and how that has just gone from one, you know, plus one equals two to one plus one equals three and then some and and where you guys are going and how much benefits you are giving each other just by knowing each other and being excellent at what you do. And I love that. I think you guys are the epitome of the real producer community. So thank you. Thank you for being our guest today. Um, Lyndon, if you didn't have anything else, um, uh, I wanted to give them a chance to tell people where they can find them if they need their services or their help. Okay. There? Well, okay. Yeah, go ahead, Gracie. Where can we find you? Well, I'm on social media. I'm on the back cover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah back cover of the uh, the Dallas and Tarrant County Real Producers. And um, just Google Gracie Mar Mortgage Group. Um, we have multiple locations. And, and another thing that I would say is we have a private Facebook page just for realtors and builders. It's called Texas Realtors and Builders. And last month we start hosting another idea that I had is how to bridge the real estate agent community and the builder community. So we start doing wow. DFW builder meetup twice a month, every uh, first Tuesday and then and the third Tuesday. So love for everyone to check it out and join our next event. Great. Jennifer Cloud, how can people find you? Uh, just Google me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, really, though. No, seriously. Are we see videos of you performing in Deep Ellum? Mm, oh, no. I've got no. kids now. I don't I'll work do on any that. of that. Uh -uh. No, I don't <laughs> have time for that and kids and job. But um, no, Prominence is the brokerage name I mentioned earlier. We're, we're very small, very boutique. A lot of my clientele is just simply going to be the attorney sphere because of, that's who I know. And um, hundred percent referral based. Um, my office is in uptown, although I'm never there. I never go. We're so mobile. Um, and I work all the way, you know, up to, uh, Selena and uh, Melissa and prosper area versus Greenville to Weatherford and Magnolia. I've gone so far too. Um, wow. so I'm available pretty much 24 seven and generally all around North Texas. And I do have a comment to add for Jen. So she does work with a lot of attorneys and I think speaks the volume for her service. It's like when you want to find the best of the physician and surgeon, who do you ask? You ask for the surgeons. If you were sick, where would you go? So we, we know how tough attorneys are and how type A they are and how <laughs> high of a standard that pretty much all the attorneys that I work with, they are very similar. So if all the attorneys go to Jennifer for her service, and first of all, if you're legal, your attorney background, you guys will hit it up. But also if you're ever wonder uh, your real estate agent is going to give you the type A, you know, very admin about this is when you do it and have the maximum protection, then Jennifer is your person. Love it. Absolutely. Right on. Well, you guys are a powerful team. Thank you so much for being our guest today on DFW Real Estate Best, Gracie Morrow and Jennifer Cloud. Uh, it has been a pleasure just getting to visit with you guys. And uh, for those of you that uh, didn't watch it live, of course, you can see this on uh, Spotify, 
on uh, iTunes, on uh, YouTube Live and our, our Facebook Live and YouTube. So uh, we'll be back next Wednesday at 11 o'clock. I think Jordan, Rochelle, and myself will be on having a, uh, a lively recap, uh, but you can find us here every week on DFW's Real Estate Live, powered by The Difference, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.